0: The following is a presentation of Hawkeyes Mike LLC.
1: nowadays, it's not a fair fight. He is red hot. His third touchdown in the first half. Well, I'll tell you what you can do is put one defensive back on him, clearly. It takes 44 seconds to go 53 yards. Iowa's had the ball five times in the first half. They've scored five touchdowns.
2: Hello Hawkeye fans, this is John Patchett and welcome to the football show from Hawkeye's Mike. This podcast features former NFL and Iowa Hawkeye star Marv Cook. Marv breaks down Iowa's homecoming win over Indiana and he previews the battle for Floyd of Rosedale against Minnesota. This program also features game notes and key stats plus the weekly Big Ten Conference update. This Hawkeye's Mike podcast is one in a series of our three weekly programs this year which include regulars Brent Balbin, and Marv Cook, as well as numerous guest commentators and reporters. Be sure to check out Brent Balbonat’s press box report from the Indiana game and tomorrow's release of the reporter's notebook featuring Mark Morehouse and John Bonencamp. The Iowa-Indiana game highlights are courtesy of the Big Ten Network, once again with announcers Eric Collins and Chris Martin. Another really good job calling this game. We very much appreciate it and thank them. And broadcast school has really paid off. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook for all your investment needs. HawkeyesMike.com. It's sports talk radio on the internet just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time. Looking back at the Indiana game, the Iowa Hawkeyes rode their offense to another victory last Saturday, defeating the Hoosiers 45 to 24 in the 100th homecoming game played in Iowa City. With quarterback James Vandenberg slinging passes and gaining critical yards running, the offense put up gaudy numbers, especially in the first half when Vandenberg had an unbelievable pass efficiency rating of 356.24, and Marvin McNutt and Marcus Coker combined for. 283 yards and 5 touchdowns. Vandenberg now has 16 touchdown passes on this season, with 11 of 16 covering 20 yards or more. McNett set the Iowa career record for touchdown receptions in the first quarter and continued to build on it throughout the first half. He finished with 6 catches for 184 yards and 3 TDs. Coker exceeded 100 yards rushing for the 4th time this season and he finished with 23 carries for 139 yards and two Touchdowns. The Hawkeyes have now scored 31 points or more in six of their first seven games. In this contest, they ran 58 plays for 456 total yards. On the defensive side, Christian Kirksey led all Hawkeye tacklers with 12, including seven unassisted. Tanner Miller and James Morris added 10 each. The Hoosiers also put up some pretty big numbers against an Iowa defense that continues to struggle this season. Indiana ran seven. 71 plays for a total of 414 yards, and that was after starting a true freshman at quarterback for the first time in school history. In the red zone, both teams were very efficient. Iowa scored four times on four chances. Indiana was four of five. Third down conversions, the Hawks were six of eight and Indiana seven of 14, plus the Hoosiers were two of three on fourth down attempts. One of the most meaningful stats in this game, the Hoosiers were penalized 12 times for a total of 114 yards. For that matter, the Hawkeyes racked up penalties at a higher than normal rate. They were flagged seven times for 57 yards. Most meaningless stat, other than some bumps and bruises for Vandenberg, the Hoosiers sacked the Iowa QB four times for a loss of 31 yards. Iowa's defense was able to sack Indiana's quarterback only one time. There were no turnovers in this game by either team. We welcome back Marv Cook for his weekly X's and O's stint on Hawkeyes Mike. Sean Patchett visits with Marv as he breaks down Iowa's win over Indiana. What impressed you the most about the win over Indiana? You know,
3: I, I guess the way the offense was just able to basically go out the first five possessions and really just uh, kind of have their way and 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 score efficiently. Um, so I mean, probably that. I mean, I you know, kind of I kind of expected it. To, to, I guess it wasn't a surprise to me, but. Uh, just we made it look pretty easy at times, and so that was that was refreshing. Uh, what aspects
0: of Iowa's performance do you think could have been improved?
3: Well, defensively, you know, we could have got some stops earlier. I mean, I, I, there was a point there I was thinking, you know, the first team that stops the other team is going to be the team that wins because uh, it looked like they were having trouble stopping each other. So, you know, obviously that's something you want to shore up. I mean, Indiana's got a good scheme. They got a good package. I thought they were pretty athletic at the quarterback position, and, and um, you know, he was able to make some plays, and, and keep drives going so but ultimately we did get the stops and, and kind of got our, our feet settled in there a little bit and um, you know st- stiffen up a little bit on defense.
0: Uh, speaking of the defense Mark Morehouse posted some unsettling statistics in regard to Iowa's defense this year um, through seven games in terms of uh, rush yards per game points allowed per game and total yardage given up uh, it's the most Iowa's defense has given up since 2000. Is it fair to say that Iowa isn't adjusting their defensive schemes, their style to the talent level on the field? I mean, I think
3: I think we're thin in some areas. I think they're they're doing the best they can with what they've got, to be honest with you. I think, you know, we don't have Adrian Claiborne. We don't have certain players that we've had in the past. And so they're trying to, to kind of make do with what they've got and, and uh, you know, statistics they can lead to issues and they can show you problems but, but ultimately our statistic is five and two um, you know and they've got the wins when they need them and and you know this saturday is another opportunity to go out and and, and play well and, and get better and and um you know ultimately the statistic that matters the most is the scoreboard so as long as they're winning football games that's pretty much the key but but i, I see where you you know where, where these things come into play is is they can tell you hey we got to work on these areas and and uh, you know the one i think more uh, is more relevant is the fact that you know we've got our running game going a little bit the last two weeks, but we have gone against the worst and the second worst rushing defense in the Big Ten. So, you know, the challenges are going to come as we get in the next two or four weeks as far as how well we're doing offensively and defensively to, to, to run the ball and stop the run. Uh,
0: Kirk was asked about adjusting yesterday at the press conference. And he talked about both sides of the ball, doing that a little bit. You know, as a fan, I can see when they're adjusting on offense. You know, if their runs not working, they're going to pass more. But I can't as easily tell what's going on on the defensive side of the ball. What should we look for?
3: Well, you look for personnel package. You look for guys running on off the field on third down or you know longer passing situations. Uh, you know, you look for the uh, you know are they covering the center? are They not covering the center? Uh, with a nose guard or a D-tackle. You know, how many linebackers are standing up? Are the linebackers removed from the defense? Are they out in the flat covering a slot receiver? And then just the position of the safeties. You know, is it a two over the top shell or is it, you know, one deep uh, type type setting? And so, you know, those are the types of things you look for to see if the defense is, is making changes and adjustments. Uh, the other thing you have to do is you have to actually look pre-snap and post-snap because a lot of times they show you one look and then they'll, they'll shift to another, uh, especially in the secondary they'll show you a two shell and then they'll rob down into you know a one robber or something. So you've got to, it takes away from the enjoyment of the game sometimes when you get caught up looking at that stuff. But that's kind of what you need to be looking for.
0: As a Regina coach, you face the uh, kind of offenses now that are pretty common in college football all the time. Uh, how do you? And your coaches scheme to stop them and you know, you've been pretty successful at it
3: well to be honest with you we use a little bit of coach parker's philosophy which has always been try to make them one-dimensional you know you try to take away the run from them and then make them throw the ball and especially in high school not they're not as efficient as as college teams are so you try to take away the run make them throw the football and, and ultimately ultimately match up you know Uh, That's where I think we try to do, is we try to just figure out, well, are they a passing team or a running team? And if they're a passing team and they want to pass, then we're going to try to make sure we're matching up with their top receivers and covering up, you know, the easy stuff. Make them work, make them earn it, make them work for what they're going to get. You know, like I said, try to put our athletes in positions to make plays for
0: them. Uh, Moving on to the offensive side of the ball, got to talk about Marvin McNutt again. Uh, How do you think his skill set and size will translate to the next level?
3: I think it's going to be great. I mean, I think he's, he's got the he's got a great stature. He's got a great physicality with which he plays. You know, I was telling somebody that he's never covered. You know, he's big enough that if it's a DB, the quarterback can still put the ball somewhere where he can go get it. The defensive back can't. So, you know, that's a great skill set to have. And if he can have the top end speed, you know, which I think someone told me he's a four-five guy, which is pretty darn good. So, you know, if he can get that in the high four-fours, he's a, he's a definite first rounder in my opinion. Uh, In a a guy that an offense would love to have because he's gonna he's gonna attract serious coverage if he's out on the field Uh,
0: you know he touched on it a few minutes ago talking about playing uh, the worst two rushing defenses Uh, but the offense has put up gaudy numbers the past two weeks after doing nothing against penn state is this a matter of them continuing to develop and gel or more the opportunity of playing against these pointed defenses.
3: I think a combination of both. We are getting better with our execution. We are getting better with our, uh, you know, just our, our timing and, and things like that with the passing game and the running game. And, and ultimately, then it's also a combination of the, the teams we've been facing haven't been as stout as teams we'll face down later in the year. So, uh, you know, two good combinations to have in the middle of the season to try to get better and try to continue to, to add some wins to the to the schedule. So. You know, like I said, the true test is going to start coming in, in a couple of weeks, and and then we'll have a nice run of Big Ten games where it should mean something. But, you know, I, I I like what they're doing. I think they are doing a good mix. And what they've been effective at is not just running the ball because they could run the ball, but then all of a sudden Vandenberg's dropping back and throwing the ball, and now you're picking up 15, 20 yards or touchdowns to McNutt. And that's, you know, now you got a defense that wonders what's coming next, and they, they don't know, and it's very, very discerning if you're a defensive coordinator a defensive player not knowing if it's going to be a run or pass because Iowa's been pretty solid both of those.
0: Uh, Vandenberg still appears to be having a tough time picking up the blitz. Uh, what can he do to improve in this area and what should we as fans look for to see that improvement taking place?
3: Um, Just, you know, the ball coming out quicker. I mean, obviously that's one of the keys is is having side adjust built in place that if you do get too weak or too strong and you can't block it, you're not sliding to it, or you have a back, uh, you know, two backs coming that side that you, the ball's coming out in some sort of uh, either a fade or uh, a slant or a hitch or something that, the, you know, the ball's coming out in a hurry when you are getting blitzes that you can't protect. Now A lot of times they're blitzing and we can protect it and that's when you're going to see big plays. I mean, that's when you're going to see the guys one on one in the secondary and they're going to have good chances to make the play. So, For me, if you want to see, you know, I mean, a lot of times it could be that they're supposed to have it picked up, but somebody missed the assignment, you know, and then that's a sack on the quarterback, but he, on his pre-snap, knew that if that guy came, he didn't have to worry about it because the back has him or alignment has him, and sometimes the line messes it up or a back messes it up, and the quarterback takes the sack. So, I mean, it's a combination of a couple things, but ultimately, if they do have free blitzers and he is reading it, the ball should be coming out quicker.
0: Uh, Can you talk a little bit about A.J. Derby's position switch? Uh, Is it good for him, good for the team, and how difficult is it for him to adjust in the middle of the season?
3: You know, he's a good athlete. He's always always been a great athlete and has always been successful in whatever he's done, whether it's basketball or football, and he's played different positions. So, you know, I I think he'll be fine. I mean, obviously, it would have been easier going offense to offense because, you know, he's a quarterback, he knows what the tight end's doing our receivers doing, our running back, but, um, but ultimately, you know, it, um, you know, he's an athlete, so it shouldn't be that difficult for him other than just trying to get up to speed with some of the techniques and, you know, the finer details of being a linebacker. But, he, I mean, he'll pick it up pretty quick, I think.
0: How does a coach approach a player about switching positions? Is it a delicate situation or?
3: Yeah, a little bit. I mean, you know, because guys are prideful people. They don't want to admit that they're not going to be the starter or they're, you know, they're not positioning or transitioning themselves to be a starter. So it is difficult, but ultimately the good players want to play football. They want to help Iowa win and and uh, they'll make that decision and, and, and move forward and, and try to make the best of it. So. Uh, for me i don 't think it 's as much an issue with AJ Derby as, as much it is for Vandenberg and for the, the kids behind them that they must be doing a nice job to, to give them the comfort to go ahead and move them out of that position
0: uh, Kirk talked about in the press conference yesterday that uh, AJ Derby is going to be receiving a crash course on special teams um, is that just kind of you know typical for
3: um, well I think football. it is. I mean I think you know they they, they obviously realize he's a great athlete. and in special teams you want to have your best athletes on the field. Well when he's a quarterback, you don't want to expose him to those types of collisions but now that he's gonna be a linebacker, um, you know I mean I think I think he's a little bit they can do that a little bit more so I mean but he's a good he's a great athlete and he will help us on those special teams so it
2: is good. After the Big Ten update, Marv talks more Hawkeyes, special teams and he previews the Minnesota game.
1: Touchdown, Iowa! A 12-play touchdown drive for the Iowa Hawkeyes. They take seven minutes and ten seconds off the clock. Yeah, they just, the old Debo from the movie Friday, they just big Indiana up front, capping it off with a poker touchdown. Not much went wrong here on the 100th homecoming for the Iowa Hawkeyes. They take the ball and run it in for seven.
2: In our Big Ten update this week at the midpoint in the season, the Big Ten is one of only two conferences with five teams in the BCS Top 20 Michigan State, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Michigan, and Penn State. However, it's already clear that no Big Ten team will play in the national title game, barring some incredible shakeup in the standings and game results. The conference also has the same five teams ranked in the Top 25 in each of the major polls. Through four weeks of the Big Ten schedule, two teams remain unbeaten in conference games Michigan State and Penn State and they sit atop their respective division standings. Five teams have suffered just a single loss this season and that makes the Big Ten the only conference with that many teams with only one loss. This coming Saturday will mark the third straight week when a pair of ranked conference teams face off against each other Michigan State at Nebraska. The Spartans have been involved in each of these three games. The Big Ten also leads all conferences with six bowl-eligible teams and with a win this Saturday in Minneapolis, Iowa will become the seventh. One critical factor for all Big Ten fans to keep in mind this year is the new tiebreaker to determine the conference championship game participants that's now in place since there are two divisions. The first tiebreaker is head-to-head matchups. The second is a team's record within their division. That makes winning divisional games a major part of the conference title hunt. Some interesting national stats for Iowa fans... Marcus Coker is 21st in rushing, averaging 102.43 yards per game. James Vandenberg is 13th in the country in pass efficiency. Vandenberg's rating at game's end against Indiana was 290.32, higher incidentally, than any game Ricky Stanzi ever had as the starter for the Hawkeyes. Marvin McNutt, who was named Big Ten Co-Offensive Player of the Week for his record-breaking play against Indiana, ranks 12th in receiving yards per game at 108.14. James Morris is ranked 12th nationally in tackles per game in spite of missing some time with an ankle injury. Big games this weekend, all critical as they are intra divisional contests, include Michigan State at Nebraska. The Cornhuskers are 4 0 at home, and the Spartans are coming off a huge emotional win in East Lansing over Wisconsin. Illinois travels to Penn State, and Wisconsin will try to rebound at Ohio State. Next, Marv Cook previews the Minnesota game. Uh, looking at special teams,
0: uh, probably the best special teams play overall this season. Uh, we finally saw some good kickoff coverage, especially against one of the best returners in the Big Ten.
3: Yeah, uh, and there, there's, a, there's a kind of a mentality that they're playing with right now that they really feel like when they kick it down there, they can go hit people and be physical. And If you're watching the game, I really think you can get the flow of the game just by watching kickoff teams and kickoff return teams. And you'll see who's got the advantage based on body posture, the way the plays are finishing out, who's catching and who's not catching blocks, uh, you know, who's delivering the blocks and stuff like that. So it, it really is a game changer. Obviously, when you're playing in front of Kinnick Stadium, they got the music going and stuff, it's easy to get jacked up, so, but, uh, but you can really get a good sense of, of how the game's flowing by the excitement those kickoff coverage guys bring to the table.
0: Oh, well, we're moving on to Minnesota now and there was a lot of questions at the press conference about last year's game against Minnesota. You know Kirk said they just they didn't handle their business and he felt that before that game they had a good week of practice but I found myself thinking you know, as a coach now and even when you were on a team could you tell during that week of practice that maybe some guys heads weren't in it or could you kind of feel that you might come out flat?
3: There's tell signs of if they're doing things they've never done before, if they're making mistakes that they've never done before, uh, if you're getting more of those than you normally would get, if there appeared to be a lack of effort, not being tired but a lack of effort, uh, those are the types of things that would give you away. But, you know, ultimately, the Big Ten has got, if you're playing the Big Ten, you're, you're a good football player. And if you don't take care of business, you're gonna get beat and, and um, if you don't play well and you turn the ball over and you make mistakes, you, you, you're gonna lose in the Big Ten. That being said, I mean, you know, we, we made too many mistakes, we didn't play well and we weren't functioning extremely well and, and you know, I don't know if it was the weather, the turf field was slippery or what it was, but we didn't seem to make the adjustments and, and Minnesota obviously did.
0: Something else I didn't realize, uh, Iowa has yet to win a road game this year. What can Kirk do or what can the players do to, you know, besides showing up on game day, you know, what else can they do to try and change
3: that? They show up this, uh, this Saturday, but, uh, you, you know, I mean, you, you prepare with crowd noise. You prepare, and they do those things. I think they, they have done those things, and I know when they go to Penn State, I think they, they go in with crowd noise and, and and simulate that, so you have to work on, on communication. You have to work on substitution, making sure everybody's paying attention. So I know they work on those things, you know, and that's all you really can do. And then just have a great mentality, a great group of leaders that kind of focus guys in when they're on the bus, they're traveling, It's not – You know, it's not a bunch of horseplay. There's not a bunch of uh, messing around. It's it's, you're going there to play a football game. You're not going there for vacation or anything else. So you got to have that kind of workmanlike mentality that when you are traveling, you're on the plane, you're on the bus, you're in the hotel room, the night before, you know, you're locking in, you're doing what you need to do as far as a preparation standpoint. Then you get up on Saturday, to get ready to get going. So, you know, you just got to focus on those types of things.
0: From your experience, is it, harder to prepare mentally for a road game, you know, say, Friday, Saturday?
3: I, you know, I, I think it's easier because you really get a sense that there's a game. I mean, you gotta get on a bus, you gotta go to the airport, you gotta get on a plane, and you know you're flying to West Lafayette, or, or Minneapolis, or you know Columbus, Ohio, or, or Penn State. You know you're going somewhere for a reason, and and then ultimately now you're away from, you know, you're away from family, you're away from girlfriends, you're away from, you know, school, and, and ultimately you, the mindset is, is, you know, any distractions besides football should be out of the, out of the mix because now you are in a closed group, on the road, in a hotel room, in a conference room, watching films, doing meetings, going to your room, getting up the next morning, going back to some more meetings, having breakfast, and then getting ready to go play a football game. So I think there's less distractions when you're on the road uh, and, and the ability to maybe focus in and lock in a little bit more than you do when you're playing at home.
0: Uh, what do you see happening this Saturday?
3: I go back to when Sean Green was a senior and we just absolutely rolled him up. Uh, and I think this team is getting their mojo, they're getting their traction, they're getting their identity a little bit and, and knowing they're, they can be effective running and passing the football. And uh, Minnesota's offense isn't near as good as what we face, so I think our defense is going to have some chance to to be dominant and control this game. You know, and this is a game to me where you've got to win big. You know, You have to go out and start establishing we're a great football team you know it's like you know wisconsin plays indiana they beat them 55-7 you know it's no doubt about the, the outcome of that game we've got to start showing that mentality that you know what we are the superior team you we're going to show it right from the get-go and uh and i think iowa will
0: um as a player do you have any special memories when it comes to uh battling for floyd
3: yeah just um yeah we played in the dome obviously and Got hurt one game and made a tackle and the guy landed on me. I separated my shoulder with an IEC joint. And, man, I was a long bus ride back to the airport. and Man, I was in pain. But, and then one game we were down big at half and Jeff Dross just went nuts. And I mean, I was diving for cover because he was pretty animated about the situation at halftime. And things were flying around the locker room pretty good. So we ended up coming back and winning that game. So obviously great atmosphere, great home. You know, Iowa travels extremely well to Minneapolis. And, uh, you know, it should make for a fun atmosphere.
1: Let's see who wins the line of scrimmage here. Power football, you'd imagine. Black man! Black and No play action. Wide open. In the end zone. It's a touchdown. Brad Herman, one of the tight ends on the Hawkeye roster, catches his first touchdown of the year. Well, Indiana was thinking just like you, come in and stop the run play. They're able to sneak out Herman into the flat.
2: Just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com. Go to the news and events section and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. Also check out the game photos and video highlights of Iowa games, other Big Ten action, and teams from across the country. Just click on the video tab. You can subscribe to all Hawkeye's Mike podcasts through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeye's Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette and the Hawkeye. And listen to Brent Balbonat on Hawkeye's Mike and on the Balbinat and Brommel Camp Show, weekdays, 4 to 7 p.m. on KGYM AM 1600, ESPN Sports Radio in Cedar Rapids, and at KGYMRadio.com. I'm going to go have a bathroom. Go to the drink in the bathroom. Whatever you do, wash your hands. Hawkeyes Mike football shows are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary antimicrobial hand sanitizer that is alcohol-free and lasts all day with a single application. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use. And remember, the best defense is Prefence Our thanks again to the Big Ten Network for the game highlights this week. And as always, special thanks to Marv Cook and to Sean Patchett. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you will participate. By phoning and making your own voice heard on our shows, call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices.
3: Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it.
0: This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.